Hello, Acaville Radio. Welcome to another exciting episode of Talk Acapella. It's a podcast for the acapella community where we examine the culture as well as the ins and outs of vocal music, along with the people who are working to shape it. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Alexander, and joining me as always is... Alicia Edwards. Alicia, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm pretty good. This was the first day this week that my commute home did not involve multiple car accidents. Not for me. I have not gotten into a car oh, accident okay. in a little while. But um, Okay, you had me worried for a no, no, second. No, I there. wasn't involved okay. in any of the accidents, but I did drive by them and traffic was just bumper to bumper. Mm-hmm. And today was the first day where oh, yeah, I only onlookers. saw one and it didn't really have traffic too backed up for the most part. That's good. That's got to be the worst part of kind of getting used to going back into the office or maybe you've been there but for the people that are just going back into places like traffic well and i'm like i did not miss traffic at all i've been going to the office since everything locked down and it hadn't really been that bad until it started getting bad a couple weeks ago and i think part of it has to do with school's out for the summer you've got these teens who are probably working summer jobs there's a lot more people on the road and it's it's just not not my cup of tea how are you? I'm doing well. You know, one of those busy days where it just feels like a million things are going on. But uh, now everything is finally winding down and I just get to sit back and relax and talk about music for the rest yeah. of the night, which is always a good It thing. totally is. And we've got, so, we've got a guest who so, knows a lot about music. Oh, like so accomplished. Yeah. Once again, I'm jealous because I always love being introduced to people who are just so entrenched in music and just are doing wonderful things. And our guest is no exception. Joining us today, we have the director of San Diego Chorus of Sweet Adelines International, Kathleen Hansen. Kathleen, how are you doing today? Hello, I'm doing pretty good. My commute down the stairs wasn't so bad today. There there weren't any accidents. You gotta say, I am a little jealous. Good. Nice. You didn't miss any steps. That's great. I have had a moment where I was working from home and I fell down my own stairs, so... That was oh. really fun. You can't look at your phone while you're walking down the stairs. I, I wasn't that's, even doing that. That's the number one. Totally wasn't even doing that. I had a book in, a, in one hand and I think that was it. And I just slipped right at the bottom and just landed right on my butt. It was, it was that's, that's why I'm glad there are no stairs in my oh, house. Oh, okay. Because I'd be the, I'd be that person, you know, I'd be calling for help. But Kathleen, we are <laughs> so excited to have you on today. We have some wonderful things to discuss with you and your amazing group, which is just celebrating such an incredible year. But we're going to get to that. But before we do that, we want to get to know you a little bit better. Can you tell us about your journey with music before arriving at the San Diego course? Sure. I grew up in a musical family and no one in my immediate family was a professional, but everybody sang or played something. And so it was just kind of always part of my life. And I was really fortunate that even when I was really young, I had very good instructors. So I remember being, you know, six, seven, eight years old, sitting in a group of other kids singing and our director would be talking about breathing the right way and putting inflection on words so that we were getting our point across. It was not really that a whole bunch of little kids screaming in unison. All too often. (laughs) Right? Then I actually went into instrumental music first. I ended up majoring in trumpet in college. Oh, wow. As a music ed major, had my sights set on going and teaching high school marching band and all the things that go with it. But as you can imagine, a lot of schools... If you teach one thing, you have to teach everything. Mm -hmm. So I taught marching band and concert band and jazz band and electronic music ensemble and choir and bagpipes and color guard and you name it. I taught I did color guard and I also have a random question, but that that is related. So no, out of all of those different areas that you touched upon, which I wasn't expecting the electronic part, which would you say is like the most challenging or which one did you like not feel was something that you felt was like, this is me? Well, I I went into it to do marching band and that's by far the most challenging. It is so many things at once because you're teaching music and movement and discipline and you're learning to be a fundraiser and you're overseeing a, in essence, a nonprofit that is raising like a quarter of a million Uh dollars every year to support (laughs) what you're doing and renting trailers and buses all while doing regular teacher things like IEP. You're running a business. (laughs) 100%. (laughs) I had like nine people working under me and it was wild times. I loved it, but it was very, very stressful. And it's it's one of those things that you better love it or it's just not going to be oh, a totally, career for you. Totally. So right. my, my random question, I take it you are familiar with drum corps then, like DC. Absolutely. Okay, yes. I, I did drum corps. So I, nice. I did that in addition to sing. I actually didn't do singing until college, really, but... 
I, I did color guard yeah. all four years of high school, and then I went and did three years at my university, and I'm I on marched one summer with a world-class Sorry. drum corps, and I was a rook out, so only one year, and then I actually worked with their admin staff for the following three years, so that was really fun. Nice. Are you are you allowed to tell me who Yeah, it was Spirit of Atlanta. It yeah, was... I mean, my singing was similar. Okay, I, okay. I played music, and I, I didn't get to take choir until the end of my high school year, my senior year oh, in high yeah. school. So, I mean, we sang, because mm-hmm. who didn't, right, who didn't right? right? Right. And you've got that Mm -hmm. musical background. So you know what stuff is supposed to sound like. And I feel like any instrument or any anything musical kind of gives you that core foundation to build on. Absolutely. I think the transition from instrumentalist to singer felt really good to me because I had I had the basics. Well, and Uh, learning how to play an instrument is a little concrete with the trumpet, you know, which buttons to push. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, with the trumpet and you've, you've got that breath support already. Yeah, I'm curious between the instruments and then doing the singing, which you mentioned kind of came on a little bit later. Did you feel more connected to one when you go back and thinking about just the beginning stages of getting involved with all of that? Was there one that stood out or just kind of felt more natural to you? I don't think so. I, I just I find all of it. A mu- music to me is music and there are certainly different aspects of the different things i never quite understood the animosity between <laughs> instrumentalists and singers like, oh yeah like it's we're there. all the same team folks you know right yeah it's all art at the end of the day i'm, w- I'm with you i didn't get the the band versus choir kids that was a thing my high school it was band versus orchestra oh, and i actually oh. played the violin too so i was in orchestra and i also did marching band because of the whole color guard thing and i remember my high school orchestra director was always really upset because I spent all this time practicing color guard, but I wasn't in a practice room practicing my violin as much. And I was like, sorry, but it well, was... and if you, if you catch that, you know, if you catch that triple wrong and smash your left right. hand, right. Right. Oh, totally. So kind of looking at things. So I see here that, you know, you got your bachelor's in music at San Diego State and then you continued on with Mm -hmm. San Diego State and you got your master's of music, which is so impressive and incredible that you've done all of that. So let's fast forward a little bit. So you did so many different areas of music, you know, with all the groups that you mentioned. How did you arrive at the San Diego <laughs> course, you know, what drove you to that group? Did they find you? Did you seek them out? Right. What's the story there? I kind of, I don't know. I love, I love these stories because you end up at a crossroads and you take a left turn and that takes you another road. And then suddenly you're where you are. So right. the reason that I'm with this course is because I was in band. So oh, when I was oh, okay. at CSU, I actually was in the jazz band and I stood in front of a bass player who was in a barbershop quartet who was about to go win the international contest. Oh, wow. What? So, oh, <laughs> so we were like hanging out and he's like, yeah, I'm actually in this, I'm in this barbershop quartet. And I was like, what? <laughs> wait, wait, like, huh? Normal reaction. Yeah. <laughs> well, right, until you know, like until you know what modern barbershop is, mm-hmm. like you don't mm-hmm. know. And so, so I had this really amazing entry into high level singing down here in Southern California. We've got the San Diego Chorus, who was getting ready to go win an international competition in a few years. There were um, a couple men's quartets, one in LA, one in San Diego, who either had just won or were about to win. And then there were two women's quartets, Sweet Adlines, who back-to-back one. And then we've got, you've probably heard of some of the courses up there. Now we've got Westminster that wasn't around then, but the Masters of Harmony was around and San Diego Chorus was around and then Harbor Lights came on the scene after that. And so all of this music that I was listening to the first time, I, I just, I came to a rehearsal to hear what they were doing. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> this is bonkers. And that, that was like, for the San Diego it was so It was so good. The first rehearsal that I went to was for this quartet called Revival. Okay. The one in 1998. And they were being coached by these two world-class coaches. Oh, wow. Because this was only a few months before their giant international contest. So we were hanging out in like the choir room at SDSU just kind of after classes were over and back then they didn't lock, lock the classroom so you just took whichever oh, nice. ones were open and you could hang out and practice. <laughs> they were more generous. After we were gone they started locking things up. <laughs> so so you ruined it for the future classes is what you're saying. Absolutely. Okay, okay. I take full responsibility for possibly using a putty knife to get into the choir room to practice oh my, my trumpet. Uh, there's a possibility Insane. that, that So, I, I, so I heard this quartet and I was like this is amazing and then a few weeks later 
later, I went and I heard the chorus up in LA, Masters of Harmony. And then they're like, oh, well, there's a chorus in San Diego. It's Sweet Adelines. And I was like, I don't know. And like, I saw some pictures and I'm like, I just, I can't do that. What is happening here? But I was talked into going to a rehearsal and I walked in. And of course, they're like, a music major just walked in the room. A music major just walked in the room. Oh, like, oh boy. Put her somewhere important. So first they gave me the baritone part, which is the leftover notes. Ooh, you know, we use, yeah. that's totally the leftover notes. They put me right smack in the middle and we were 144 singers at that time. Oh, wow. So Whew. just the sheer amount of chords being thrown around the room. I'm sure that I smiled all night. And the fact that they were like jumping in hard to the music, like the nuance, the meaning, the emotions, and of course the musical things, dynamics and turning of words and things like that. But the level that they were working, I was like, this is amazing. This was back in 1999. Mm-hmm. This wow. is a long time yeah. ago. So mm-hmm. I jumped in as a singer and within literally weeks, the director was like, hey, Kathleen, we're actually rehearsing a song. We're actually rehearsing a version of Stars and Stripes Forever, okay. a vocal oh, okay, version so. of that, which is like, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Kind of crazy yeah. yeah. It's all over, like, <laughs> all over the place. So the director was like, Kathleen, you're a band director. Can you come down here and make us sound like a band? I was like, sure. 24, <laughs> yeah, no problem. 24 year old me standing <laughs> oh in front of like gosh. 144 people. Sure. No problem. We'll do that. Wow. You know, and I'd been doing a little bit of, I had a church choir that I directed and I was directing at school. So pretty much instantly I was slotted into the assistant director position, which is, you know, just a volunteer position for a while. And then a few years later, just a handful of years later, I got a call from Sun Harbor Chorus, which is the Barbershop Harmony Society course that I direct. Uh, smaller chorus, but man, nicest guys on the planet. And they called me up. They're like, hey, hey, we're looking for a director. Are you interested? And I was like, nah, please, <laughs> please. And I'm like, okay, okay, I'll come be your interim director. And that was 2006 and I'm still directing them. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> and that's the TTB group. So then I stayed with the San Diego course this whole time, was assistant director, was associate director, was co-director. Oh. And then the previous director, Kim Vaughn, had been their director for 30 years and was like, you know what? It's time for me to retire. Mm-hmm. So, so I get this call like, hey, Kim's retiring. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> like, is it my turn? But you know, they had to decide like, did they want to do a director search? Did they just want to hire me? Cause I was already part of them. Mm-hmm. So I kind of went through a vetting process. Okay. And they decided to go with me rather than do a search beyond. It's like an in-house I, interview, an in-house. That's awesome, though. You know, like they amazing. trusted you no, for that. I love how there are like so many instances of okay, yeah, I, th- I think Kathleen would just be right for this. Just come on down and just just do this oh, kind of thing. You, and, that's exactly what I mean by like man. you're standing at a road and all of a sudden you're doing something. And now this is like my career. Right? I, I direct choruses mm-hmm. for a living, and I do voice lessons and I have a YouTube channel. That's amazing. I love that. I can relate to the whole first experiences with barbershop because for me, my first experience, I I gotta say it's the most comfortable yet also simultaneously the most stressful thing walking (laughs) into the room. One of those rooms for the first time because my first experience was in college and I met a friend through my acapella group and he's like, yeah, come see this group that I sing with and I walk in and it's like, these are my people but then they start singing. I'm like, okay, this this is tough. This is serious. (laughs) These guys are for real. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing here for a These second. These guys are but for it was, real. It was fun, but I can, it's so relatable. I get it. Yeah. Well, and you know, the, the kind of sad thing about that is, I mean, obviously just the word barbershop, you think of late night TV, you think of all the, you mm-hmm. know, striped vests and all that stuff. But <laughs> as soon as you have that experience, it's, it's kind of mind blowing, you know? And right. now we've had the opportunity to sing barbershop all over the country and a few other countries and all sorts of stuff. I remember wow. actually hanging out with the Chanticleer guys. <laughs> no <laughs> way. Are you kidding me? And they're like, man, barbershop's hard. <laughs> <laughs> They're saying it's okay. I feel a little bit better since. So you've talked a little bit about singing barbershop all over. So your background involves playing for diverse venues or performing in diverse venues and for audiences of all sizes. So you've performed for small formal dinner parties and you've performed for audiences of thousands of people. So when you compare performing for thousands of people to smaller, more intimate settings like a formal dinner party. Do you approach the performance differently? Do you think musicians should have different approaches based on the area they're going to be performing in? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, when obviously when you're when you're nose to nose with somebody, not during COVID, but at least I hope yes. not. <laughs> right, right. You can you can get that eye contact mm-hmm. and like look look kind of in each other's soul. But I feel like 
you have to bring a little bit of that with you onto the big stage. You have to know that people are looking at you in that similar way of still, you still have to commune. You still have to have a, an exchange of energy, an exchange of artistic ideas, an exchange of emotion. I do think that, that there are times that you need to expand yourself a little bit. You know, I remember it, it, strangely enough, probably the biggest crowd that I ever played slash conducted slash sang for was playing my trumpet for a barbershop audience, an international <laughs> contest. Wow. <laughs> wow. So there's this great song called Cornet Man. And they, they dressed me up as the Cornet Man. <laughs> and I actually started, started on my trumpet. And then the chorus came in and then we played together, which, by the way, like, you can't drop pitch when you've got like oh, a trumpet yeah. coming in every 16 bars. Oh, yeah. So that's pretty wild. So that was you know, many, many thousands, eight, nine, 10,000 people or something like that. Somewhat terrifying, but also really exhilarating. And when you, when you look back at it and when you think of those, those moments and you talk to people who are there, there's still that feeling of one-to-oneness. There's a bit of larger than life just because of the whole stage and spectacle and lights and costumes, but there's still that feeling of like, it's you and me. We're, we're in a room and I've got something for you and you've got something for me. And that exchange is, I think, one of the big things that keeps me coming back for sure. Yeah. And that's such that's so true because we often hear a lot about, you know, perform as if, you know, you're doing it to like that one person, pick somebody out at the end of the day. But I, I like it that you're you're still saying that there's so much of that, whether it's big audience, small audience. And I feel like with a smaller audience, especially if you're doing that, you can make it, you know, an intimate moment, even deeper, more emotional almost. I guess if you're just like in a room of say like five people, because I love going online and seeing those videos of like house performances. Those are just really just suck you in because just like, okay, I, I get so much of everything of what the artist is like dishing out there. So I, I, I like those thoughts. Thanks. I think as an audience member, some of those, you know, especially when we go to con, we go to conventions and things, mm -hmm. those hotel room performances, oh, right? yeah. Where yeah. Have, like 15, 20 people hanging out and a quartet comes in and you're just sitting right there. Like maybe you're on the floor and they're right there. And there's that feeling of that calm relaxation, but it still has that, that energy. And that is so compelling. I love it. And and when you can do that on both a big stage and, you know, in the hotel lobby or whatever, then you got something special. Right. I have a question because as the director of a, a course, you're on stage right there in front of everyone. It's not like, I guess, if you're at a, a musical, I guess, and, you know, the band is playing in the pit below and you can't really see them with the chorus, you're right there on stage with the musicians. Are there any kind of nerves that come into play when you're a kind of directing? the group in front of an audience like in your you're right there in the middle of everything i mean i can't say that there's zero adrenaline <laughs> but you know when you're in charge you you have a little extra pressure on you because if you make a mistake well your ensemble or they may go rogue and like save you i don't know <laughs> there's something that's really interesting about barbershop where um, you really kind of can become part of the performance so obviously if you're directing something that's very gesture heavy like a ballad you're going to spend more time with your your back to the audience and have the regular director singer moment but there's something that's a huge crossover to me between barbershop performances and marching arts marching bands mm -hmm. and things like that where you train and you train and you train and then you can kind of hit autopilot to a certain extent mm, yeah. and then join in so as a barbershop director contrasting that with like my orchestral career where you know it's, it's very formal and you put your hands down and you bow and you have your baton and everything is black and concert blacks and everything with the with the barbershop performances like you got these costumes and mm -hmm. who knew that i'd be dancing on stage and <laughs> yeah i was gonna i was gonna say you're not you're not a traditional chorus conductor from what i've seen mm -hmm. you're, it's your conductor and a performer which i mean i feel like I mean, having having grown up and, and performing with orchestras, I feel like sometimes the conductor is also like really animated and really fun Absolutely. to watch. But it's not like they it's like there there's a very definitive line between the conductor and the instrumentalists where I feel like your role with the San Diego chorus is kind of a little bit more of a hybrid. Right. So you have to do all the training. You have to mm -hmm. do all the rehearsing and then you have to be able to turn turn them loose mm -hmm. and join in on the performance. I So I direct another chorus in town as well with the very similar names, the San Diego Women's Chorus. <laughs> that's confusing. But, you know, so I've got that crowd and that's much more conducting heavy. Okay. The folks from that group, there is a distinct possibility that for some time there was a Facebook page called The Back of Kathleen's Head. Was that 
at some point my career crossed over from there being more pictures of the front of me to more pictures of the back of my head online. That's amazing. It's like, okay, so now oh, I'm a conductor, uh-huh. so you'll recognize the back of my oh head. My I know the back of that head. I know, I know that, that person. I, I know that. know that. so funny. Sometimes. Right. Sometimes. Occasionally. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Man, what an amazing conversation we're having here. We have so much more to explore with Kathleen, but we do have to take our first commercial break. But come on back because we're going to touch upon some amazing things that she has done with the, the courses that she direct, as well as some some big pivotal milestones that the group has accomplished and reached the share. So uh, don't go anywhere. And we're going to continue speaking with Kathleen right here on Tacapella. You may not know this, but Acaville is a nonprofit. We're a community supported organization. And the way we keep our lights on and keep the music spinning is largely through memberships and contributions. So I encourage you to be a member of Acaville. Not only will you support everything that we're doing and supporting the community and bringing great music and features to you, but there are some pretty killer member benefits out there as well. Head on over to Acaville.org. Check out the member benefits because we'd love to have you as a member of the Acaville community. And welcome back to Tacapella. We are here with Kathleen Hansen, and she is the director of the San Diego Chorus as well as the Sun Harbor Chorus. And holy cow, I have learned so much already. I'm sure, Brian, you have too. Same. I mean, we're just, we're just going to continue this amazing conversation. Kathleen, you're probably one of the more well-rounded musicians that I've ever met. So I'm, and I've met a lot of musicians. So my understanding is that San Diego Chorus is part of Sweet Adelines International. For our listeners out there who are unfamiliar with the Sweet Adelines, can you tell us a little bit about Sweet Adelines as well as what in your opinion, their most vital contribution to the music community has been. Sure. So Sweet Adelines has been around for, for a while. They were founded in 1945. And uh, I think many of you may be familiar with the Barbershop Harmony Society. Back when they started, they were called the Society for Preservation and Encouragement of Barbershop Quartet Singing in America. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that what a mouthful. Yeah. I know. You're welcome. So when that happened, you know, that was, a, that was founded as a men's organization. And a whole bunch of the, you know, wives and female friends were like, wait, we want to do this. This seems super cool. And so they founded a similar organization for acapella harmony, for barbershop harmony. And now Sweet Islands International is found all over the world. There are quite a few barbershop organizations around the world. Some of them are worldwide and some of them are country specific. But Sweet Adelines has courses in places like New Zealand and yeah. That's pretty cool. (laughs) Australia and Japan. (laughs) So all over the place. And there is a competition circuit, which makes it really fun. We do like to say sometimes that we compete with each other rather than against each other because we got friends all over the world, right? And like, (laughs) if I don't win, I want my friend to win. But it elevates all of us, right? It, It helps us all strive for excellence. And so San Diego Chorus we're part of the region that covers like the kind of southwestern part of the United okay. States called Region 21. And we have a regional competition every year. And the winners of that con- competition go to an international contest. So we actually have three world-class choruses in our region. Oh, wow. So it's this always vying for the top. So we've got <laughs> Scottsdale from Arizona, uh-huh. Harbor Lights up towards LA, and then San Diego Chorus. All of us have won. Okay. Okay. So this and is so, a competitive region, like a <laughs> super a competitive region. region. But it's fun. <laughs> there is actually a wild card. So okay. they take, in addition to like the top winner, they'll take a handful of others. So usually okay. our region ends up sending like two choruses. Okay. That kind <laughs> of... Kind of sounds a little bit like ICCA with the wild yeah. card round with the competition. It's the West, the, the West yeah, region, man. Yeah, the West region man. from ICCA is like that's really, totally, really totally competitive, lots of talent. Not that the other regions don't have as much talent, but I, I think that oh, no, no. I think great. a lot of times yeah. that wild card group that's sent right, is because if we West. didn't have that, like there'd be a lot of unhappy sitting out happening (laughs) (laughs) so in general like we do this regional competition every year in the spring and then pretty much every other fall we'll go to the international contest and that contest is held different places usually it's held in the u.s just because that's where the the biggest kind of epicenter of choruses are it's been a few other places but with that we've been in we've performed in hawaii and nashville and atlanta and just it's a neat little i mean i don't know I feel like it's more than a hobby, mm-hmm. right? It's it, kind it of like a like lifestyle. Yeah. But to be able to travel with your friends 
every every year or two and go have those experiences where you're all striving for something and you do this event and you know how it is you go on stage and the performance itself is so short oh totally mm-hmm. totally the whole experience is amazing and then you get to hang out and have your singing parties Stay those up all wild crazy Saturday. parties yeah. those after parties Saturday yeah. afterglows we can are in our plans yes. some of my fondest memories of traveling that's not the first time I've yeah. heard that term um, and it's, yeah. it's fun because for in barbershop afterglows you all hang out in the lobby and sing tags all night. Oh. I love it. And three people you've never met. Okay, sing this. You sing this. You sing this. And you just go. And it's, it's a good time. I love how the, the barbershop and the Sweet Adelines, how they have that aspect to them with the tax because everywhere I go where I meet barbershop people are like no we're singing tax and sometimes you have to like coax <laughs> it out of acapella people I'm like hey can we just do some random singing and I'm like, yeah, that would, that I would don't be know maybe for me yeah. not gonna lie at first oh, that's at my, first at my least favorite thing. It, would, it would hook you the, honestly yeah. that's what mm-hmm. hooked me I oh, went okay. to that first performance okay. went to like a pizza hut or something afterwards to have <laughs> nice. like the after party and I was like I don't know what's happening they're like hey come sing this with us of course it's like with this championship quartet I'm like I don't know what what I'm doing. <laughs> I know you're going to just like sing these four notes on these words and like we got you. And they just pretty much harmonize around you. That's if amazing. You're, if you're the mm-hmm. newbie, you know? Man, so talented. So in addition to being director, you also have a role as the international faculty for Sweet Adelines. Is yes. that correct? Yes. So how, how does that work differ from, you know, your other commitments within music? So, uh, <laughs> sorry, it's just, it's just funny to me because, you know, when you talk to a musician, you don't say, mm-hmm. where do you work? What are your gigs? Like, right. okay, here are my eight jobs. Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh, Sweet Adelines as an organization is in part an educational organization. It's part of their, their kind of guiding principles and mission statement and things. It's important for us to be educating one another. And so as part of that, they've developed this international faculty program where they have usually it's like between 30 and 40 people around the world who are officially faculty you there's an application process you turn in a resume and statements and things like that and they host educational events those events are anywhere from just local schools to regional schools or even international schools they host an event called international education symposium for example and so they'll bring in, you know, a dozen faculty members and then a few hundred people will come and sign up for this. It's just like a extended weekend long educational event. And we teach things that we're passionate about. And so you develop like a class resume. So if you were to look at mine, you'd see, you know, two pages of classes of things that I personally love to talk about and to teach about and to share with others about. Some of my topics I love to teach about kind of high level tuning things. And, oh, okay. Um, yeah. And kind of nerdy stuff. But also, you know, just general vocal production. I've got a couple of courses that I've developed on developing a broader, inclusive community okay. so that we can have a, a richer, more diverse organization and talking about what things people can do locally to make sure that we're not inadvertently being exclusive of any population. Right. Yeah. A lot of that sounds so timely and relevant to everything that's going on, but not with only within the world, but in uh, the vocal arts community, it sounds like right. a lot more groups are doing that kind of focus. So it's great to hear that you've already begun the work there. I got to ask. I'm working on it. I mean, any organization in the U.S. that's that old, it's like it's going to have problems, going to have oh, yeah. institutional habits and things that, that we just need to shed some light on, stay relevant and just become more open and understanding of one another and open our arms and our minds so that we can become a richer organization. Yeah, and I love the, it almost feels like there's this transition that's kind of taking place within a, a lot of us. Singing groups and musical acts is they're recognizing that it's not just about, you know, coming and singing and whatever you're doing. There's so much more that musician and artists have to offer. You know, their, their voices are so powerful on stage. I think that they're starting to realize, you know, as much power as we have on stage, we also have so much influence off of it. And so that that's great. I really want to get into the San Diego chorus because one of the big things that's going on with the San Diego chorus is you all are celebrating your 70th anniversary, which is amazing, phenomenal. Can you believe that? That is seven, yeah. like 70 years. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. I'm trying to think of like, there have been like companies and institutions that haven't even been around for 70 years, like really prominent I was ones. I say there's my mom, you guys have just, she just turned 70, so she's the same age as this. And so I, I really want our listeners just to kind of get to know the San Diego chorus. So just to kind of start, how would you describe the identity 
of the course because you know we see so many smaller groups they often struggle with you know trying to figure out what their sound is who they are as a, a group but you know during your time with the group what have you come to see as a thing that makes this group what it is oh, that's a great question i think any organization needs to struggle through what your identity is I think that there are definitely some traits that have carried over from our organization probably through most of those 70 years. Our course generally has been well known for being innovative and taking risks, trying things that maybe other people haven't tried yet. And I think that that boldness, that feeling of risk taking is something that's essential to us. I think we value education. I think we value doing things at a high level. I think that's rewarding for both our members and our audiences, for sure. We've definitely, in the last few years, dug a little bit deeper to see how we can take those things that are already part of our identity and grow them, as well as maybe places that we need to build a little bit. We've added, we have some core values, and included in those, in addition to musical excellence, are things like joy. And it's really easy if you're striving to be the best, if you're competitive and if you're going as hard as you can all the time, you got to step back and say, why am I doing this? At its, yeah. at its core, <laughs> at its root, what is the value of this to me and to my singers and to our audiences? And having those common goals, I think really brings us together and gives us something to focus on. But from an identity perspective, absolutely. Joyful, high-level music making, boldness, innovation, I think would all definitely describe the San Diego chorus. I love hearing that because I think often on the road to trying to strive for success, you often overlook those elements that you're discussing there. So I, I love how you guys are just really taking the time to commit that to your, your identity because you don't hear a lot about those intangibles, I guess, for groups. You hear right. more about the vocal capabilities mm -hmm. and skills, but you don't hear about those things. You just So you mentioned the core value of joy. I want to touch on a couple more core values that I noticed on the San Diego Chorus's website. So you have personal responsibility. We hold ourselves and others accountable to act with integrity, follow guidelines and honor commitments and teamwork. We value each other's contributions and collaborate with confidence and trust. I, I think it's really easy for individuals that are part of groups, even groups that are much smaller, to kind of feel like they're lost, they blend in with the background, and they're not really recognized so much. So I'm wondering with a group of 75 women, how have you been able to help individuals truly feel like they are valued? And with that, are there challenges that you encounter? Maybe if one to two members aren't up to where they need to be as far as their responsibilities go. Right. And that is so hard because, I mean, we're a volunteer group, right? Oh, right, right. <laughs> People have jobs. We have like accountants and nurses and teachers and retired folks. And we have a, a Navy pilot. Oh, and wow. And we've just got all these people who do all these different things. It's like, well, how do we also maintain our, our high level? Mm -hmm. And it's hard because you do run the risk of people getting lost in the crowd. But I think one of the things that has helped most with that is setting up a leadership structure where everybody has little groups. So, you know, like section okay, leaders. Okay. We've got our tenor section leader, our lead section leader, our baritone section leader, our bass section leader. So you kind of automatically have this little mini family mm -hmm. in the group. And then, you know, sometimes it'll break down even further than that. Okay. So people get to know each other. And then a few times a year, we'll have weekend rehearsals or a retreat, which we'll call a recharge. And that gives... <laughs> <I love> that. <laughs> so it'll give us the opportunity to kind of get to know each other a little bit on a more personal level okay. rather than just director standing in front, singer standing at attention, one way information. Mm -hmm. We try to build in opportunities for people to have conversations and talk about real issues. Some of the music we do is emotionally really hard. Mm -hmm. And some of the music we do pulls things out of people that are painful to think about or joyful to think about. Mm -hmm. And we need a safe space where we can talk about those things, especially as we navigate the ups and downs of life, and we might have an emotionally challenging musical set to perform, you can't ignore it. Right. You have yeah. to dive into it. And I think that that does help people feel a little bit more a part of. So I'm curious, since you're, you just brought up the, the music aspect and specifically the songs here, what, what have been some of your favorite pieces that you all have covered or performed <laughs> over the years? I think one of my very favorite is, I may have sent it to you, we do a cover of The Greatest Show. Oh, nice. Oh, okay. The Greatest Showman. And it is, I mean, it's a spectacle because it's got four parts <laughs> mm -hmm. and then it's got a quartet overlay and then it's got oh. a body percussion part. Oh my gosh. And then it's got a soloist. 
boy so you guys went for it it here. is stuff <laughs> happening uh-huh. and there's, there's a lot happening with that we had that arranged for us so we're oh, at this per- point we're the only group that's ever performed that's amazing it. yeah and i love working with arrangers mm-hmm. i'm like okay here are our strengths here's ranges of different sections mm-hmm. here's where we're going to be our best don't just give the bases no words because they're going to get really mad at me if you're just <laughs> thank you <laughs> like at least throw some words in once in a while occasionally you know okay and so i'm curious because we're, we're also talking about you know being a, an established group for 70 years which comes with a certain way that you guys have probably in the past have enjoyed doing things you probably have certain songs that you're comfortable performing and cer- certain maybe even traditional songs and i'm curious just with being the director over the you know the number of years that you've been there you know what is it like trying to balance i guess the traditional music that you come to expect from a chorus versus you're talking about the risk taking that you also mm-hmm. love for the San Diego chorus to kind of take on. How do you balance that? That can be tough. In the barbershop world, we have something we call kibbers. K I B B E R S. And they're the okay. keep it barbershoppers. Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> the okay, like, makes it. You can only have these chords. <laughs> and, the, oh. you know, the melody oh. always, always has to be in the lead line. And if there's anything uh, the that's purist. modern, no, no beatboxing and like, no. Wow. <laughs> so you have like your peers. When you go to competition, I mean, I'd say it's kind of like ice skating where you have the compulsory round where you have mm-hmm. to have the strict barbershop music oh, and then okay. for sweet adelines in the finals package you get to do a whole bunch of different stuff so oh, you cool. have the music that fits squarely under the barbershop umbrella and then you have the music that's like out there and can do whatever you want as a matter of fact for that one you can even bring in instruments which is why i ended up playing my trumpet wow. yeah, yeah. in front of thousands yeah. of people in front of a barbershop audience right <laughs> but in the time i've been in the chorus whether as a singer or as a director we've had some really cool collaborative opportunities. We've performed with the San Diego Symphony, and then we actually were part of their series twice. The first time we sang with the symphony, the second time we sang with a like a local concert band as part of their pop series, and then we got to sing on our own. So we were like, here's us singing non-barbershop, here's us singing barbershop. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah, and you know, oh I can't goodness. speak too much to what happened in 1999. <laughs> 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 I mean, I've seen, some, uh, I've seen some good footage and stuff, but I know, for example, barbershop courses were a lot like other courses, and they did a lot of standing and standing and singing. And I know mm-hmm. that San Diego was one of the first to try to put some more movement to that. <clears throat> oh, really? Wow. Yeah, back in the day. Um, what I was going to say, I've seen, well, I mean, what I've seen is, I'm sure, more recent. Well, no, definitely more recent but i've seen little elements of choreography at least you've got the women in the front who yeah, are not on the risers row, which is like the floor team right in the front row right so they do full-on choreo right dancing and, and then and you've spinning. got and then you've got a few elements with the ones who are standing on the risers which i was very yeah. impressed by yeah and that's neat because it kind of enhances it mm-hmm. i don't know no, it totally does in the choral world they'll often just call that choreography huh? <laughs> <laughs> i know i didn't make it up choreography and you'll see our singers okay. doing you know we spent some time on that because mm-hmm. you don't walk in the room and expect people oh, to right. be dancers right totally <laughs> right yeah but i think it enhances the yeah. music and that's one neat way that i think our art form has expanded it used to be very kind of like robotic and your hand must be at 45 degrees with your fingers in this exact position. <laughs> and now it's much more integrated and a lot more, I think, authentic. And it sometimes can go to a staged place that feels more like a Broadway chorus, you know, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's more of a dance troupe and sometimes it's more traditional yeah, I love that correlation between the the musical chorus because I definitely get that whenever I, I watch a lot more recent videos choruses, they right. definitely are very active, very movement centric, or you know, there's a lot going on there, which I'm sure the audience loves. Right, and I guess to kind of end up follow up on that question you asked, we have gosh, I don't know right now how old our oldest is, but we have singers in their 80s and we have singers in their 20s. So okay. I'd say like 23 oh. to like I don't know 88 or something. And Boy, wow. Some of my older members who are like what is this piece of music i gave them a medley <laughs> i gave them a medley a couple of years ago which is a medley of don't stop believing uh-huh. and don't stop nice. me now queen and oh, journey yes great medley super fun and one of these women i don't know if i'm sold on this we learned it and she's like well kathleen i like it <laughs> it was good, like the pat louvers stamp of approval like you're good to go oh my gosh that's amazing uh, that's wonderful i love it so going into the the 70 year mark here like we've already established that's just phenomenal for you is it surreal to think that this group has been going strong for as long as it has been absolutely it gives me a very deep sense of being entrusted with something precious 
that has been around for a long time. And there are some sayings that say things like, we don't own the earth, we've borrowed it from our children, that sort of right. thing. I feel that way a little bit with the chorus. And it's been around for such a long time that I feel the need to make sure that it continues well into the future, but that we also celebrate the things that got us to where we are right now. I'm curious, what have you heard from your singers about celebrating the group's 70 year anniversary? Is it something that is internally recognized and discussed or is it just kind of more like, oh, we hit this milestone? I think people are excited. I mean, people are excited for parties. All right. The fun part about these anniversary celebrations is we get to celebrate where we are. We also get to look back. So we have rented out a hotel ballroom. We're going to have a reception and, you know, memory books and pictures and display the old costumes, which are kind of mind-blowing. <laughs> if oh, you see man. costumes from yes. 60 years uh-huh. ago, like, whoa. Well, because the thing that's fun is that some of the costumes were already retro 60 years ago. Oh, yeah. So you have, like, the 60-year-old version of something that was 30 years prior to that. Wow. Right? So, like, a modern I'm trying to picture that. I'm just, like, mind-blown. I mean, there were, like, hats and gowns. And what are those things that you put your hands in? Yeah, I don't know what those are called. I'm afraid to call I have them. No idea what those are called. <laughs> I know they like keep your hands yeah. warm. Right. There were dresses and hats and and gowns, and then things got a little bit more stagey. And definitely, I think mm-hmm. there's been this great overlap between kind of the show choir world and the acapella world and the barbershop world, all kind of influencing one another. So we get to look back, and we get to bring some of our alumni back. We have Ooh. people who are on our risers now who were with the chorus in 1975 okay. when they won the international competition the first time. And some of those folks, even if they're not singing with us, are still in town. Or some of their kids are in town. We have one of my bass singers. Her mom was in the chorus. And she was pretty much raised on the risers at rehearsals. Wow. (sighs) Got a lot of folks who have kids and are like, well, what do I do with my kid on Wednesday night? I guess I'm bringing them. And so (laughs) some of these uh, young folks grew up with it. Man, yeah, that's crazy. I've always been uh, curious about, you know, legacies. And you hear a lot about it in like fraternities, sororities and stuff, but you don't really think about it when it comes to music but 70 year group it just makes sense that you know something like that should take place yeah and i'm not sure how i feel about it but they (laughs) uh, they they, no 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 (laughs) okay she doesn't approve there's a term that's used in barbershop circles and i'm not sure how i feel about it but they they seem to like it Mm -hmm. we call those legacy people barbershop brats oh they're like a barbershop brat and they were raised with it and they you know they were raised hanging out at afterglows and the thing that's phenomenal about a lot of these folks who grew up in barbershop shop they have tremendous ears for it right because mm-hmm. you imagine getting into it that young you know the younger you start being exposed mm-hmm. to these musical concepts the more attuned you can become to them so a lot yeah. of them who are adults now have this just amazing training and they're advanced musicians yeah that makes me so curious about the development of a musician you know or singer specifically had they been exposed to barbershop at such a young age just given the fact that there's so many complex chords and right. you know the harmonies and things like that i would really wish that i had gotten into or at least discovered barbershop at a younger age i feel like as you're saying my ear would be a lot better well, to pick up well, some and I, feel like, I feel like barbershop is very unique in that you have so many harmonies there but i feel like that could be maybe something that's similar across other vocal music like the acapella group I sing with right now we have a three-year-old and I think an 18-month-old who are at our rehearsal <laughs> like every rehearsal and so and, and the three-year-old in particular he's been at our rehearsal since he was very very young like I mean three is very young but even younger than that and he actually knows some of our songs so we'll be singing them mm. and he'll start singing along and we had like one song in particular we do like we all stomp the same foot on beats two and four for like eight measures and he just starts doing it with us and he sometimes he starts doing it before we do and i'm like that kid is going to do amazing things if he chooses to pursue music absolutely and even if he doesn't pursue music professionally right that's kind of the beauty of groups like this mm-hmm. we've got you know most of our people aren't professional musicians we do have some you know music teachers but most people like i said they have other day jobs can excel in music and other things right. all at the same time right right well you heard it here even if you're not a professional professional musician you can still do music and with that it is time for our second and final commercial break but don't go anywhere because we will be back for some more fun with kathleen hansen here on Tacapella. every week for an hour we hand over the keys to the station to wait is that right the listeners 
It's true. You, our listeners, can choose what we play for our requests and dedications hour. You can catch it every Thursday at 9 p.m. in the East, 6 p.m. Pacific, and then again on Sundays at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. East, 2 a.m. and 2 p.m. in the West. It's a chance for you to head to our website, pick some tunes that you want to request, or make a dedication. We'll play them right here on our air. Thanks for sticking with us. We are here on Tacapella with Kathleen Hansen for our final segment of the show. Per tradition, we will start with a round of really fun rapid fire questions. So Kathleen, you are in the hot seat. Are you ready? All right, here we go. All right, and I'm just going to jump right into it. Question number one. What is a hidden passion of yours that most people might not know about? Oh, I don't think very much about me is hidden. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, love, I love the outdoors when I'm not doing music. You can find me like in the redwoods hanging out. Very cool. Love it. Next question. What's your all-time favorite acapella or barbershop moment? Oh, that's so hard. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay, so I'm just going to go with the first one that came to mind, which was okay. when Ambassadors of Harmony did their 76 trombones set. And I was in like the middle of the third row. And they just costume changes and amazing singing and wall of sound and fun and funny and musical. That was definitely one of my top ones. Okay. Question number three. What has been your favorite? favorite performance location? I think my favorite barbershop performance location is a very acoustically imperfect space. Hmm. It's the international (laughs) stage, which is usually in like a giant arena Uh where they've built up a stage on like a basketball court. Okay. But the vibe there is just so awesome that you have to love it. That's great. Great. All right. Next question, because we've already established that you've held so many types of jobs before. (laughs) So this is going to be interesting to hear. What is your dream job outside of the arts? Oh my goodness. That is so hard. So part of me is like, I would definitely want to be a a scientist. And then part of me is like, no, I couldn't handle being indoors for that long. So I feel like it would need to be something like a traveling tour guide. Oh, that would be cool. And go a lot of places and experience a lot of things and have other people pay me to to do those things. Yeah, that would be awesome. Oh, man, that's a great answer. I love that. Question number five, cats or dogs? I mean, obviously cats. (laughs) But like, I just, I don't like to be licked. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, okay. That makes sense. I'm with you. And I have a really awesome cat. It's Celeste the Studio Cat. She kind of has a following, so... Her, Hello wait. to the Celeste, the studio cat. Wait, what followers. is her name? Her name is Celeste. Okay. But Did you say she has a, like a has social followers? media page? Well, she has her own page on my website where she <laughs> lives and gives her opinions. But I have a YouTube channel and she always makes appearances in my videos. Oh my gosh, it was, yes. It was not planned. She just yes. started showing up. And now people get really mad when she doesn't make an appearance. <laughs> I'll come. I'll go do a, a workshop seminar on Zoom and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll log on and they're like, Hi Kathleen, where's Celeste? <laughs> <laughs> I'm right here, people. Yeah, it's, it's good to see you, but we want to see it's the good cat. To see you, yeah. but where's the cat? You know, I get it. I get it. I, anytime I'm, I have three cats, and anytime I'm on the phone, one of them in particular gets very jealous, mm-hmm. which is part of why I do all of this recording down here because she would be up here or she would be back here on my chair and she would just be yelling at me because I'm not paying her enough attention. Absolutely. Yeah. There's one warm up that my cat always sings along with without fail. Yes. Every time I start it, she's like, <laughs> <laughs> really? That's awesome. Oh, that's so great. All right. Next question. What is your favorite food that you could eat for a week straight? Okay. This question is really hard for me to answer without going into a big long story, but I'm on a very restricted medical diet. And oh, if I wasn't, okay. It would probably be something like chips and salsa. Oh, yeah. Like, I used to eat that all the time. And now, like, not Mm -hmm. so much. So I'm going to go with chips and salsa, even though I can't actually eat that. Okay, follow-up question. Just because you answer like that, do you have, like, a favorite salsa brand? Oh, it's going to be from one of the super-duper hole-in-the-wall Mexican restaurants here in San Diego. Uh, Okay, okay. Yeah. 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 All right, all right. Because it's like grandma works in the kitchen with mom oh, yeah. and little brother and sister and they have their family recipe uh-huh. and it's amazing and I have oh, like, yeah. you can't, nothing but respect. You it's can't so beat that. You yeah, can't. completely authentic. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Nice. Question number seven, early morning or late night? Late night for sure. <laughs> I'm with you. All right. What's the best inside joke you've ever been a part of? What is the best inside joke I've ever been a part of? I feel like there have probably been a lot of them, but I feel like also if I told you. <laughs> That's true. That, That's that true. A, Ooh, would that create that, a circle of trust problem? Oh, it could. That probably defeat the purpose of an inside joke. Interesting. Hmm. We didn't think about this. You could just hmm. tell or us. Can you give us? 
us like a, a hint, a hint as to of... what the inside joke is. I could try, and then we wouldn't get it. But but someone I was gonna say might. whoever's in on it with one you, one of our listeners, you got to make sure yes. that they listen to the episode because they'll get it. No, that's good. There's probably gonna be a little bit of a silence here because like I'm having a really hard time thinking of something. <laughs> or just one of the your favorite inside jokes. How about something having to do with uh, puppy piles and just. Going for that group cuddle. Oh, okay. Puppy pals. I get it. Okay. I get it. I get it. Right? I know I said cats, but like little animals. Just like dog pile. And... Yes, but a oh, dog pile is kind of violent. All right. Now <laughs> the questions are about to get a little weird. Perfect. Question number nine. If your five-year-old self suddenly found herself inhabiting your current body, what would your five-year-old self do first? Climb on top of very tall things that I wasn't allowed okay. to climb on when I was about five. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There it is. There it is. That's totally believable. Of course, I, I, was, see that. I was allowed to climb on a lot of things. My family was pretty cool with like the exploration. But like there were things I couldn't reach, right? right I right. reached totally. them now. Totally. Were you a bit of a daredevil? Is that what I'm I picking was. up on? I was. I was a gymnast. And oh, nice. I loved to ride my bike and rollerblade and I was a rock climber. So. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Absolutely. Lots of climbing. I keep finding out more and more. Man, these secrets are coming out. All right, final question. Would you rather be able to talk to land animals, animals that fly, or animals that live underwater? <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I think I would go with animals that fly because I'm very jealous. And I feel oh, like, okay. I don't know, if you've ever had those flying dreams, uh-huh. how amazing mm-hmm. that feels. I want to know oh, yeah. a little bit more about that. Oh, good answer. Okay. Right. I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Good answer. Yeah, totally. Well, that that does it for rapid fire, that but it. that was was exciting, man. Those are some great answers we got today, and we always learn just that much more, which makes it all the better. We always like to end the show with something that we can give to our listeners, something that they can walk away with, and we always do that by asking our guests if they can offer our listeners some advice. So, Kathleen, we pose this question to you: If you could offer our listeners some advice, what would you say? I would say spend more time learning to love your own voice. Oh, that's a good one. A lot of us have kind of self-vocal dysphoria. Uh-huh. Totally. I do. If you can start, I do. I definitely start do. with loving, if you can start with loving your voice, you can grow from wherever you are right now. There's something about it that you can love. And if everybody could do that, I just feel like we would be in such a better place globally yeah and i love how that applies to both musicians and non-musicians because i I think that's the one thing i hear from everyone it's like oh i hate the sound of my voice so man it's such a great you've heard it from me many times (laughs) (laughs) i'm with you kathleen wonderful advice if our listeners wanted to learn more about you learn more about the san diego chorus or any other projects you're attached to where could they go sure probably the best place to find me is my website which is khansonmusic.com you can find me pretty much anywhere at khansonmusic.com. That's my YouTube channel as well as slash khansonmusic. That will link to all of my groups. So you can find the San Diego Chorus there, Sun Harbor Chorus. You can find the San Diego Women's Chorus there. You can find more information about pretty much anything that I've talked about, including Celeste the Studio <laughs> We cannot forget Celeste. I am so excited to not only go watch more of you all's performances, but also to see these random appearances of Celeste. So Absolutely. Um, and I will say that the San Diego Chorus, we just finished up a full yes. virtual show, which has like five chorus pieces and a bunch of quartet pieces and a very, very hilarious double quartet piece which is a parody about vaccinations oh my gosh yes that is so go check that out on our youtube channel just search san diego chorus and you will find it great great yeah listeners you heard it right there go check it out some great content to to watch and enjoy alicia if our listeners want to learn more about you where could they go you can find me on instagram e.squared1989 how about you brian as always follow me on twitter at the brian alex brian with an i and go give talkapella a follow we're at talkapella two p's two l's and check out our website talkapella.org and as always go give aqua radio follow they're the wonderful platform through which we stream through we want to thank kathleen hansen so much for joining us today and once again congratulations to the san diego chorus for turning 70 years old this year such an amazing accomplishment and as you have just picked up from this wonderful episode today they are led by a wonderful director and kathleen she's doing such incredible work and we have enjoyed getting to know you getting to learn more about your background and just having an overall fun time So thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Awesome. Well, that's going to wrap up today's episode. For everything else, stay tuned.